What a wonderful day. A wonderful day. This day has been years in the making for you. When we get baptised, it's not because we're getting saved in the water, but because the Lord has already done that work in us. And we're acknowledging and facing up to the fact that he has done that. And we're deciding that he's worth giving the rest of our life to. We're nailing our colours to the mast. And we're saying, this is it. We're here because of Curtis's journey. But Curtis is here because of what Jesus has done in his life. Um, we, uh, as a Curtis's youth worker for the last year or two, Curtis started sort of drifting in every now and again, and then he started becoming more regular. He started talking about how he's feeling. And it's just been a real privilege and a real thrill to see um, Curtis going more and more happier, more often, and more confident more often. And we can testify to the fact that God is doing a great work in Curtis. It's been amazing just watching him grow in confidence and more importantly, growing in joy. And mum and dad, you're awesome. <laughs> you've done a great job with him. We have. Well done. Um, and I know you're really pleased that he's here. Uh, I should have had the clicker. <laughs> um, so the reason we're here is because this is, this, this is the words that Jesus said. Um, I'm sure you, you may be familiar with them. You maybe uh, might have heard them before. Uh, but sometimes these kind of words can wash over us, can't they? We, we lose the gravity of what they say. Um, but we're here because curses have discovered that walking in the light of Jesus leads you out of darkness. He is the light at the end of a tunnel. And the closer you get to the light at the end of a tunnel, the better. Don't you think? And following Jesus means following, sometimes following him through a dark place to get out into the light, to get out of the woods and get back into the, into the openness. And that's why we're here. But this is a promise. And the wonderful thing about Jesus is that he doesn't, he doesn't give us the opportunity, does he, to, to say, oh, yeah, he was a great guy, a great teacher, a great philosopher, what a great guy. You can't leave him with that because nobody, like, nobody with the same mind says things like this, do they? Nobody who's just a good guy would claim to be the light of the world. So we're stuck with that. He doesn't give, Josh, Jesus, oh Josh, <laughs> Jesus doesn't let us off the hook like that. He says, make a decision about me. Am I a liar? Am I a lunatic, a raving madman? Or am I the Lord of all? Am I God Almighty? That's the choice he's putting before us all, all the time. Thank you, Lorna. Um, and as you, as you look through his life, you keep meeting these people who are blinded by the grace of God. That by the grace of Jesus, they just can't get beyond. They meet him and something happens. They have to make a choice. Um, I love this bit. I've, Jesus was indignant with this man. He was untouchable. He was unclean. He had a leprosy. No one should be anywhere near him. And yet he gets on his knees and begs Jesus. And Jesus is indignant because the man is having to beg when actually what Jesus has got to offer is freely available. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to, be, to, to match up to anybody. Jesus was cross that this man was resorting to having to beg when he didn't need to. Jesus said, I am willing. I want to. You don't need to beg. You don't need to beg me. I want to heal you. And he was healed. Thanks, Lorna. Um, but this, this, um, this poor mother losing her son and of course, in those days, if you're a widow, um, well, you've not, if you lose your only son, you've also lost your income. You're destitute. 
And so as she's walking uh, with this funeral procession, she's not just grieving the loss of her son. She's grieving what is to come. What is happening in my life? And Jesus wrecks the funeral. I mean, I hope, I hope you haven't got any funeral directors here this, this evening. If you are, I'm never so sorry. Jesus wrecks funerals. He's really unpopular funeral directors. Because he just, you know, I, I, did, did she pay them? Did she pay the funeral director at the end of this? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the, you know, what the, what the protocol is for raising people from the dead just before you get buried. So, um, but can you not see that Jesus was moved with compassion? His heart is for you. His heart is to change and to bring life and life in all its fullness. He doesn't want death. It's not his plan. He brings life and grieving with her, not standing from a distance aloof. He reaches out and he solves a problem. Thank you, Lord. These guys, you look at their story. Nobody wants to know them. They're saying, I'll just shut up. Leave the, leave the teacher alone. Leave the important guy alone. These people had no voice. They were just blind beggars. Nobody wanted anything to do with them. They had no voice. And what does Jesus do? He stops. He gives them a voice. They're, they shouldn't have any importance. But the great guy, the great the healer, the teacher, the person, everyone's like, oh, Jesus. He stops for that one person. Well, these two, these two people in this instance. And he gives them the time. He gives them a voice. He says, what do you want? <laughs> Don't want to be blind anymore. Okay, I can do that. That's amazing. Jesus had compassion on them. Touched their eyes and they were healed. Thanks, Lorna. And this lady was bent, was in, in a captive for 18 years. Bent over double for 18 years with a back problem. No one could fix. It was, that was it. Stuck like that. Can you imagine being stuck like that? For 18 years. For some of us, that's as long as we've ever lived. For some of us, it's even longer than we've ever lived. And, you know, at the end of this episode, some of the local people, some of the uh, religious leaders are saying, you shouldn't be doing that on a Sunday. It's wrong to be working on a Sunday, and healing is working. And she's like, you hypocrites. Because he had compassion on the woman, and that's what God is. God isn't just loving. God is the definition of love. God is love. If you look up the, you should, in the dictionary, when you look at the word love, it should, the next word should be God. And Jesus has brought love and compassion to this woman. She's amazing. So she went away free, free, able to leap and dance, do the dishes, <laughs> you know, get a job, do whatever she wanted to do. She was free again. Thanks, Lana. Um, this guy was living under shame. Because he was born blind, everybody assumed his parents must have done a terrible sin. Or perhaps he was done a terrible sin and God knew he was going to do a terrible sin, so he struck him blind before he even got born. But that's not what Jesus says. You who are living under shame, under this curse, actually, you were created for glory. Your destiny wasn't shame. Your destiny wasn't a curse. Your destiny was to bring Jesus, God, glory. And that's what he does for us. And that's what Curtis is doing today. He's standing up saying, I was broken, but he's fixing me. I'm giving him glory. Thank you, Lorna. So what about Darren? If you keep pressing the button every time I say name, it will come up. 
hopefully. Oh, you can't see him. Darren. So, Darren. Um, Darren. There we are. Our, our, our church, we're worshipping away, and there's this guy standing at the back. Uh, he looks kind of rough. And uh, we say hi, and he clearly doesn't want to say hi to anybody. He just wants to be on his own. He comes back the next week, and he comes back the next week, and gradually we just say a bit more hi, you know, and we get a grunt out of him. And uh, about eight weeks later, after him just coming constantly to our, our, our services, and we, we'd often have a, a time of, uh, like, people have an opportunity to come and talk at the end, you know, to everybody at the end to talk about what God's doing in their life. And Darren, we didn't know he was called Darren, he stepped forward. Now, Darren was like six foot, dreads, uh, he's a black guy with loads of scars and, and, you know, holes in his face and stuff like that, you know, piercings and stuff. And he said, and we're like, what was he going to say? And he said, look, I'm a drug addict. And I'm trying to fight my addiction. And Jesus is, I don't know what you guys are doing, but it's working. And the presence of God in that room was changing him. He was being blinded by the grace of Jesus. And uh, now, so Darren's, you know, completely, 20 years later, Darren's completely clean. He's got a wife and kids. He's holding down a job. He's awesome. Thank you, Lorna. Darren was set free. Katie, one of my best friends, Katie now. So we met Katie. She just turned up one day. She was on the run from a drug dealer. She'd run away from home at 16, moved in with a drug dealer. Uh, We did other things as well. And she decided to escape and ran down to my hometown, Western Supermare, because she knew somebody there. She started hanging out with us. And I'll never forget it, because two weeks later, we went to this conference called Soul Survivor. She'd only been hanging out with us for about two weeks. And uh, on the first night, um, the guys leading it said, if anybody wants to come to Jesus, come now. Don't waste your time. We'll do it at the end of the, end, end of the week. Come, come, why don't you come now? And I'm going to forget, there's a clack of a seat. And there's this girl running from the back to the front, to get to the front, to say, Jesus. And she'd just fallen in love with what we, who'd we'd fallen in love with. She's amazing. She had dyslexia, she had ADHD, all these kind of different things. And now she's like, she's got jobs, she's got kids, she's got lovely kids, and married a wonderful guy. And her life's just been totally turned around. She has um, been, she was lost, and she's literally been found. She has a home. Even her mum and dad, was her mum her mom and her partner became Christians, and the family were reunited. And uh, just, just an amazing story. Then we got, um, what about, uh, who's next? Oh, my mum and dad, yeah. So my mum and dad well, came up from the East End. My dad was, a, was an evacuee from, uh, from Chelsea, ended up in Windsor, met my mum. Uh, they came from a really rough background, really rough family, and alcohol was part of their life. Alcohol was part of all that they did. Alcohol was everything their family did. They didn't know anything else. My, my, um, when they met the Lord... They, they were just completely set free from uh, an addictions to alcohol that were developing, growing. And I grew up in a, fa- I grew up in a family there where there was no addiction to alcohol. My uncle Den died of alcoholism. My gran was an alcoholic for years and years and years until she forgot to be an alcoholic. Dementia for you. <laughs> um, she was lovely, but she was gripped by this thing. And uh, I, I'm sure people in this room, you will have known and known families that are, have been damaged and trashed by um, addictions, all sorts of things, especially alcohol. But my, I'm standing here because my mum and dad got blinded by the grace of Jesus and were set free from that path. Thank you, Lorna. My best friends and other great guys, Adam and Gemma. Um, Adam made a terrible mistake, an awful mistake, which was, was going to cost him his marriage. There was no other way. How could Gemma ever forgive him? And I remember sitting under, literally uh, under a streetlight, 
holding Adam as he's sobbing his heart out, so contrite and so broken. What is going to happen to the rest of my life? And as we prayed together underneath that street light, um, the grace of God came down on him. And it was a bit of a long walk, took us a year, but Gemma accepted him back in. And they're like, they've been married now for over 10 years. They just had their first twins, set of twins. Um, God has just completely given them back what they'd lost. Um, totally healed of their, their relationships. And then, of course, my friend Murat. None of you will know Murat. Murat was uh, one of the administrators of my school I taught in Istanbul. Murat used to be uh, in the Turkish commandos. And he was on the front line fighting the PKK. And when his... Um, when his officer found out that he was a Christian, Murat got put at the front of the front line every time. And his, off- his, his, his boss was trying to get him killed. And Murat pleaded with the Lord to protect him. And everything went around him and nothing ever hit him. Amazing story. And Murat, like many, many Christians in, in Turkey, the few that are, meet Jesus in dreams and, and uh, visions. And Jesus comes after them. He was kept safe. Um, so I just want to say, oh, the bloke with the glasses, sorry. Oh, I'll tell that story another time. If you want to know about the bloke with the glasses, come ask me afterwards. But we have Curtis lost in the dark, in a dark place, as he would describe it, and now walking out into the light. You're not a finished article, are you? <laughs> we hope this is not the finished article. I'm not the finished article, and neither are you. We're all on this journey. We're all walking towards the light. We're all blinded by his grace. We pray. And if you haven't been blinded by his grace, I so want you to be able to look in his face and not look beyond, not know which way to go. Where do I look? You've ever had those situations where you just don't know where to look? You look into Jesus' face. You take him on his face. Look at him in the face. Be blinded by his grace and see what he can do with your life. Whether you've been a Christian for all your life or you've never met him before, we can guarantee and we can commend Jesus Christ to you as the one and only way to live your life. He's flipping awesome. He's amazing. So come.